the beautiful thing about what we do is that our return customer rate is really high because yes, it's a little bit more difficult for us to get that customer like for the first time. But once we have them, they are, you know, 70% likelihood of them coming back and purchasing again from us. So it's just like that kind of like the cost up front is a lot higher for us to get that lead. But afterwards, once they've kind of like become part of the club, you know, they're, they're in. It's Mitzi Mike, and this is the Wave Social Podcast powered by Arcade Studios, a show for marketers, brand builders, creators, and anyone else who's trying to make waves online. We sit down with the experts and tastemakers behind today's up-and-coming brands, and today on the show, we have Marissa Christina, the founder and CEO at Still. Before we get into her bio, a few announcements to make. You might have noticed that uh, we started advertising. We're testing some ads um, through Buzzsprout, which is where we host our podcast. And this is kind of like a beta program that they've introduced. And so far, we're just advertising other podcasts that you might be interested in. So we feel like it was a little bit less of a disruption than some approaches to advertising. Yeah, and our perspective on this podcast, we've always just created it to have conversations with people who are, we believe are smarter than us, and we just thought we'd want to bring it to the masses and audiences like you. So we've never relied on advertising for this podcast, so this is a fun experiment for us. Uh, but instead, what we did do is we created some fun merch. So if you're interested, this merch is still available. We have this little placeholder hat which is very cool, a very fancy, beautiful water bottle, um, and these stickers that you can add to your water bottle. Yes. And yours yours actually has a sticker. I'm a big on fan it. of the stickers because, uh, well, mine has last season stickers, but the new ones on this new sticker sheet have what we call wingdings on them. <laughs> And uh, Mitzi could not be bothered by the wingdings, but oh I feel like goodness. they're so nostalgic for me from computer class. The in times high I've heard the word wingding this last what, year. What, this is like the fourth time? No, you, you, you were talking about it like nonstop for a while. Anyways, go check Where out the merch. Where people at? <laughs> WaveSocialPodcast.com slash merch if you want to check it out. Yeah. But back to Mar- Marissa, um, we're really excited about this episode. She is the CEO and founder at Still. Um, she successfully launched two Kickstarter campaigns, is a 30 under 30 winner and a TEDx speaker. She started the company with the intention of empowering women like her to get things done. Yeah, and in 2017, she was actually diagnosed with MS, which from her perspective has completely shifted her life, her focus, and even her approach to business. So exercise, living mindfully, eating well, all things that sound amazing are now at the top of her priority list and running her business is keeping her strong. But we talk about that in the episode, among other Mm -hmm. things, a couple of the key points that really stood out to me. One of them was first, the benefits of writing things down versus tracking them digitally. And Mitzi and I are different in that way. She is much more of a tactile, like note taker in a notepad and I'm more the the guy that's using his Apple notes app and it's just a mess of things but for some reason it makes sense to me so mm-hmm. I learned a little bit about the, just the neurological benefits of writing things down which makes a lot of sense but to each their own yeah we also talked about the power of email marketing which got kind of dirty about email marketing is such a huge uh, marketing strategy for them so it was fun to talk to her about that yeah email drives 70 percent of their revenue yeah which is cool. So that's powerful. Um, and much, much more. This is a great episode, um, especially for anyone who is a D2C like, e-commerce founder or anyone who works on a brand like that. 
or anyone who wants to make their passion their business. Totally. Yeah. Should we Here get comes into Marissa. it? <laughs> Enjoy. Marissa, thanks for joining us on the Wave Social Podcast. We're so glad to have you. Thank you so much as well. Yeah, so we can, we're can. we excited to just get into this interview. So I'm going to go straight into questions. But let's start from the beginning. Like growing up for you, were you always an entrepreneurial person? Or would you say that that was something that kind of sparked along the way or even when you made your move to Canada? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because I feel like I didn't really realize this until like later on in life. Um, but I come from a very long line of entrepreneurs on my dad's side of the family. They owned uh, a chocolate factory for many, many, diff- like a very long time. Um, so this is my grandparents, my great grandparents in the Netherlands. And then my dad started his own company um, also when he was in his late 20s uh, before, you know, he obviously he had kids and my dad actually just celebrated his 30th anniversary with his company. So that's obviously a huge influence for me and obviously also like an amazing role model for me to have. And so, yeah, I feel like it's definitely always been in my blood and part of my DNA and not necessarily something that I was aware of when I was younger, but something that, you know, I was always around and that energy that, you know, was always kind of like present. That's awesome. So with your your parents being entrepreneurial, would you say that that was something that they wanted for their kids and that they tried to like encourage or stimulate or was it just like... If it happens, I don't it think happens. so because my mom is very different. And when we, when I moved to Canada, I moved with my mom because my parents were separated at that point. Um, and you know, she was very big on like finish university, get a good job. And I remember like when I did decide to quit my job and start a business full time, she wasn't sure it was the right thing for me. Um, and at that point, you know, I didn't have too much, not not as much of a relationship with my dad, but I think he definitely would have encouraged it. But I wouldn't necessarily say that I was like pushed towards this journey because my two other siblings have very different paths than I do. And, you know, you know, that's, I mean, obviously not to their fault or anything. I just always have felt like I needed something more than just a job. And I think part of that started also with the fact that, you know, I moved to a brand new country as a teenager, didn't speak the language. So I was very lonely for a very long time. Um, you know, not being able to speak makes it very difficult to make friends. So I became very independent from a very young age. And so it's something that, you know, just kind of like built me into the person that I was, even though it was very difficult. That's awesome. Um, can you tell us like what actually sparked still classics to be born? Like what was, was there a moment? Was there an experience that like made you want to try to start this company? Yeah, for sure. So still is, um, kind of came out of a need for something that I needed in my own personal life, not necessarily me trying to start a business. You know, it was just me going out, like, I had a full-time job. I was going to school. I was doing um, a diploma after kind of like my undergrad. 
And so I had many different things to kind of like juggle and schedule. And I've always been somebody that's relied on a physical planner to keep me organized. It's just the way that I've always felt has helped me um, keep track of everything. And so when I went to go buy a planner, I didn't really find anything that I felt was very useful. And also at the time, I didn't find anything that visually kind of appealed to me because a lot of planners that existed were very like kitschy and colorful and, you know, they had like the florals and like the, I don't know, I just, I've never really been a very like girly girl and I've never really been into like the pinks and, you know, all of those things. I just wanted something that was functional and that was minimal and that was like modern. And so, and like first and foremost, something that was actually going to help me schedule my time. So I was in design school and, um, you know, I was doing my graphic design diploma. So I was like, well, why don't I just create my own based on like what I'm actually looking for and what I actually need in a planner? Because, you know, if, if you can't find it, why not just create it? So it came out of this need for me to like have a planner to use for myself, not necessarily to like have a business that I wanted to start. It was just like, I need a planner and I need it to be better than this. So that's kind of like where that whole thing started. Man, I feel like that's a tall task to say, I want to make something that's both functional and fashionable, but yeah. you've obviously done it. It is, it is interesting because... Um, the thing with planners is it's, it's so subjective and everyone has kind mm-hmm. of a different way that they like to organize their everyday. And so for me, the key thing was always like separating out my to-do list from my schedule because they're not really the same, but people tend to kind of like bunch them into the same area and the same section. It becomes very overwhelming and very confusing. And I often feel like that's the reason why people don't keep up with their planners because they just feel like it's overwhelming to look at and they're, they always feel like they're not getting anything done. So that was something that Mm. I really, that really resonated with me was no way to separate out. Like, what do I actually have to do? And then like, what is my schedule? Like, what are my meetings? You know, what are my school projects at the time? Like all of those things. And the only thing I could really find on like the higher scale planners were, you know, planners that were targeting young moms that were doing meal planning and, you know, scheduling for their kids, exercise, like those kinds of things. And I just, I, I didn't need that. You know, I wasn't meal planning when I was 22 and <laughs> I'm still, I'm now 32 and I'm still struggling with meal planning. So um, it just, it wasn't something that I identified with at the time. So I just wanted something that was for me and for like my demographic, I guess. Yeah. You mentioned that everyone's different. It's subjective. And like Mitzi and I even are different. She's very much more about writing things down and having a physical like tactile planner. And I've just always used digital, even just my notes Mm -hmm. app in the simplest form. Um, Is there like, is there an answer or like a decision in the debate between digital or physical for planning your to do's and in your schedule? I mean, honestly, I'm never going to try and convince someone to do one thing or another. I think everybody deep down knows what works for them. And like, I don't need to be everything to everyone. So I think that's something that I've acknowledged. I acknowledged a long time ago, you know, the same rules apply and the same lessons will apply no matter what you're using. But there is a huge difference in terms of um, your like the retention of your like memory of your brain when you're physically writing something down and you're actually taking the time to like 
put that pen on paper. Um, there is like a whole bunch of science behind um, that activity and it actually helping your brain retain that information. Whereas if you're inputting that information into a digital format, you're not absorbing it nearly as well. So mm. in and of itself, it can be like its own kind of meditation of adding your tasks and adding your schedule, making it look good. It makes you feel good. And it's one of those activities that I think kind of gets lost when you're just typing things all the time and you're always on your phone. So I love being able to oh, have yeah. something physical in front of me that feels like is, it almost can feel like a diary, you know, like a, a way that you can mm. go back and be like, oh, like, Remember when I was using pink pens? Like that was random, you know, or like whatever it may be. I think it's so nice to have those like archival items um, to have in your life. So not everything is just always like digital and it's not really as fun to look at. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. I totally agree because I I started actually writing stuff down and using a planner I think it was two years ago because I just found that I was just exhausted by my to-do list or didn't like I almost like stopped looking at stuff properly because my our whole agency is on digital all of our meetings are on our computers our whole like social media like is a big part of our business. So we're on our phones all the time. So it's almost like you look at something over and over again and you kind of stop seeing 100%. it. And that's kind of how I felt when it came to like organizing my to-do list and planning tasks for myself. Um, so I started doing an, an, like a planner, like writing stuff down physically. And it's been so great for me. And also like kind of like a break from – and also forcing me to like really evaluate like – is this something that I have to do? Is this something I should be delegating? Mm-hmm. Is this something that's just busy work? And then like, what are my priority items? And I guess that leads me to another question for you. What are, like, you've mentioned that lots of people feel like they're not getting anything done. What are some mistakes that people are making when it comes to organizing their day or like setting up a to-do list for themselves? Yeah, so I think that um, a lot of people can get very overwhelmed and I always kind of I go back to um the word busy (laughs) I think that it's become very trendy to be very busy and so people use that as an excuse for absolutely everything and I think that's extremely unhealthy I think part of um being able to live your life is being organized and like knowing that you have time in your schedule to see a friend or have dinner with a friend or go for drinks or go for a hike or take your dog for a walk. But we use like weird random excuses all the time, like not to do certain things that are definitely good for us, but we make ourselves feel guilty because we feel like we're missing something or we should be working more on this or we should be finishing this. But part of being organized is um, knowing that you have that time limit to get things done and to, you know, part of that process is writing those things out. And the way that I always kind of encourage people to run their day is to write out your 
three most important tasks, either the night before or first thing in the morning. And then you focus on those for the first half of your day so that you're getting those three things done. And then, you know, afternoons can be for things like emails and social media and stuff that's just like a little bit less requires less like brain activity, I guess. And then, you know, once you're done and you've checked all of those things off of your schedule, then you can actually, you, you do have time to do things. You do have time not to be busy. So I think it's just that a lot of people struggle with like truly knowing how to structure the day well enough so that they don't have to be like, oh, like things are just so busy. And I just, it drives me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. Planners are still a pretty niche product. Like Mm -hmm. especially maybe take us back to when you first started. How did you find your first customers and people that were going to be tampening your brand um, because you like we kind of touched on it already. Some people are like digital and some people are not. Mm-hmm. So um, did you like how did, how is that finding those first few customers? Well, I think it was quite interesting because I started my business during and, you know, we've talked about this before um, the heyday of Instagram where, you know, the algorithm was working for at the time, there weren't that many people starting new businesses. Now I feel like every day, like someone is starting a business. Um, But you know, this was eight years ago that I started my somewhat of a brand, you know, back then it wasn't really a brand, but it was fairly easy to, you know, use hashtags and like get seen for like the product that you were creating. And something that I realized very quickly was that, um, whether or not it's very evident or obvious, there are a lot of people that rely on, you know, paper for their planning. But um, the people that are kind of like our core audience are A-types. So it's people who don't necessarily make decisions right away. You know, it's not as easy of a purchase as like a scrunchie. Everyone can like use a scrunchie. Like it doesn't matter. You can just get rid of it if you don't want it. But like investing in the right planner for you is a decision that takes more than a second to make. And a lot of people are, um, you know, taking their time and like reviewing different types of products and like, you know, reading the reviews and like maybe asking a friend's opinion. And so a big part of like what kind of like got us on the map was, um, word of mouth. So, you know, people who were using the product would tell their friends about it and then, you know, they would buy the product and then they would tell their friends about it. And, you know, back when this was, you know, the early days of influencers back then, they, I don't even know, they were bloggers, I think is what we used to call them. We're very um, sort of open to reviewing a product and posting about it on their blog. So that was another way that we got eyeballs and, you know, back then, like doing Facebook ads was really cheap and it worked really well. And so all of those things combined, I think just kind of gave us that initial momentum. The heyday, yeah. the good old exactly. days. <laughs> yeah, I'm just stuck here remembering, remembering that time. <laughs> nice. So, I mean, that was then, and we can totally relate to like, you know, Facebook ads being easier, Instagram being easier. <clears throat> Fast forward to now where things have changed so much. Algorithms have changed privacy data laws have changed which make things like advertising more difficult so what how have you pivoted some of those strategies for gaining new customers and still connecting to your community and and i think we're going to get into you know some key channels but maybe we'll start on like how you've adapted your social and maybe your email strategy for sure um what's kind of interesting actually in like recent months is 
I feel like with everything that's happened, we're kind of like going back to what we were doing on like day one and just focusing on creating really good content, like really organic content, not trying to, you know, be something that we're not. We're just putting out good content and focusing on doing that well versus trying to compete, you know, with the algorithm and trying to do all of these different things. So I feel like we've just kind of like kept our head down and like continued on with like what we've always done. But yes, it has gotten a lot more difficult. And, you know, the same things that were working six months ago are not working now. And like, it's just a completely different world. In terms of newsletters, we have, you know, over the years kind of increased our volume. Um, and so, you know, we really tried to set up like different types of automated flows, whether that is like post-purchase um, or, you know, it's actually just like education around productivity and planning. So, you know, not only sending out, you know, your sales emails, but really focusing on actually providing value to the customer as well, I think has been really, really important so that, you know, you, they kind of keep you top of mind and they, when it's time for them to get a new planner, they want to go back and use it again. Yeah. I want to stay on email for a bit because yeah. uh, we do some email work for some of our clients. And uh, one thing you mentioned to us is that 70% of your revenue comes from email marketing. And I think that's so amazing because um, like so many brands don't utilize email as much and they're kind of just stuck in this like cycle of trying to figure out the algorithm all the time and, um, you know, trying to create content. But I feel like if you have direct access to your customers or your community through email, like, you know, there's so much that you can do there. And it sounds like you guys have really tapped into that. Um, so how did you get there? Like maybe walk us through, like, how did you kind of kick off that journey? You mentioned that you do some flows and things like that. Could you get a bit more granular on how you've kind of like cracked that code for your community? Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely, it's funny because I think we also learned this lesson like, um, early on of like, these are people who are willing to give you their email. Like you might as well you know, target them with your brand messaging, your sales, your everything, because they've decided to be a part of their community, right? They've actually given you their information. And so not using that to like your highest power would just be ridiculous. So it's something that, you know, early on, we've really tried to kind of decide like, okay, like how much do we want to sell and how much do we want to provide value? And that has obviously gotten better over time as well. But in terms of like, you know, you were talking about the flows, I think it's been really important for us to have a really good, for example, like abandoned cart flow where we're offering different types of things, whether it's you know, an educational piece or then like maybe a discount code or like a free sticker. Another thing that we found has been really successful in terms of email newsletter signups is um, offering something that's more than just like a 10% off because I don't remember the last time that I looked at a 10% offer and was like, oh my God, that's amazing. You know, I this is a huge incentive for me to sign up for my email, for an email newsletter. But so we've what we offer is a free sticker pack with um, email signups. So we have a physical product that we can actually give the customer versus just saying like, oh, here's 10% off because I just don't think that 
that's enough of an incentive anymore. Other flows that we kind of put together are like product specific. So if somebody orders, you know, a get it done planner from us, like we want to make sure that they understand how to use it. So, you know, we have a YouTube video that we send them. Um, after that will be a blog post about, you know, how to do your three most important tasks, um, things like that, that are like really specific to the planner, or we show them how to use like stickers with their planner, or we do, you know, another thing, obviously that always works well is like, you know, letting them know about reviews that people have left about the product, things like that. Cool. I'm curious about like what stage of the customer journey email is more involved in. Like obviously it's used to an extent with like prospects or like people that are considering still against other alternatives. So if they're like shopping for something mm-hmm. or they've left something in your cart, like the example you used. Um, but what about for like returning customers or people that have been around longer or have been more like showed symptoms of being a potential ambassador right. for the brand or something like that? Do you have flows that you're leveraging or even campaigns that you're le- leveraging to that kind of segment? Or is it mostly that top of funnel? Kind of? Yeah, so we actually do. We have like a VIP list um, where usually what we'll do is, you know, we offer them like we give them like secret offers, whether it's like 15% off on like a new product that we're launching that, you know, nobody else has got access to um, just because we know that they are, you know, VIPs and they've spent, you know, over you know, over four, like say $500. I don't know exactly what the amount is. And that number is increasing as well. Like we, the, the beautiful thing about what we do is that our return customer rate is really high because yes, it's a little bit more difficult for us to get that customer like for the first time. But once we have them, they are, you know, 70% likelihood of them coming back and purchasing again from us. So it's just like that kind of like the cost up front is a lot higher for us to get that lead. But afterwards, once they've kind of like become part of the club, you know, they're they're in. Yeah, I want awesome. to talk about clubs still. What is that? And can you tell us like why you created it and what you your plans are for it in the future? For sure. Yeah. So club still actually launched kind of like out of the pandemic and was kind of a way for me to create like virtual community out of something that was obviously being taken away from us. So people have the ability to sign up for, you know, $5 a month, which is like the price of one latte. And they get access to a few different benefits, like getting their products monogrammed for free. So everything can be customized free of charge. They have access to webinars for free. You know, they can come to like events. Obviously that has been difficult, but we are starting to do events and stuff again. Um, We have an entire database of downloadable content that they can access and download to their computer. We have um, specific playlists that they can use. And then we have some like a little swag section as well. So they can shop like their own kind of like merch. So it's been really fun to kind of like build that out. And it's something that we definitely want to place more focus on, but is a lot more difficult to do as a small team because I feel like building out a platform like that really requires a lot of attention and a lot of content creation. And, you know, with the age of TikTok, all of our content is not being created for TikTok and then for for other things. So it's definitely somewhere that like we yeah. want to make it bigger, but it's just a matter of like finding, um, I guess, maybe even a full-time employee that can kind of like run it and handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because even like you said, most of the work for you is getting the customer for the first mm-hmm. time, but like they kind of automatically come back the second or third or fourth mm-hmm. time. Exactly. So 
then it's also like how much resources do you want to actually invest in the club of the existing customers when really the the work is elsewhere. But yeah. yeah. And you touched on something else. Like I think of so many brands and small businesses are struggling with is like keeping up with content. Yeah. And I think like because of the way platforms have evolved and like new platforms like TikTok that you mentioned, like we, so many small, small businesses are forced to like, create so much content and like act like a media brand, yeah. which, you know, there's so many benefits to, but um, like, how have you approached that with your team? And like, I, you mentioned that you're on TikTok. So like, how has that process been for you so far? Pretty interesting. I, <laughs> it's funny because we always have like a, like an annual kind of like, we do like a retreat together and we basically plan out the new year. And, you know, like back in November, the discussion was around like, come January, we need to be running TikTok like full time. We need to be posting at least once a day and like, who's going to do it? And I was like, okay, well, I'll do it. But um, (laughs) it's been interesting and also challenging and also very educational because I am a millennial, you know, and this isn't, is like a newer platform for me, obviously, but I'm not above doing whatever it takes for my brand to survive and succeed. So it's actually been really fun for me to kind of feel like I'm doing, cause I haven't really been doing the Instagram as much. And like, I do all the photography for the brand and, you know, we do a lot of like video content together, but I'm not like necessarily the one that's posting and I'm not necessarily the, the face on Instagram anymore because I just, it's changed so much. Um, and you know, I we're seeing like a 400% increase in traffic from TikTok. So it's, it's working whether or not we're seeing the sales that's to be determined, but we're basically just going to keep going and seeing what happens. And like, I think that's the most important part is like being consistent with it and continuing with what you're doing. And, but yeah, it's been an interesting kind of journey, like focusing a little bit more on creating video content versus, you know, photography content, which is something that we've been doing for the last, you know, seven or eight years. And so it's just a completely different, you know, mind shift. And I can see that being very challenging for brands, especially if you don't have like the ability to do that creative in-house, it could get very expensive very quickly. So I do feel like we have, you know, we're quite lucky in that sense that we have the ability to just be like, let's make a TikTok right now. You know, when something like pops up, it's like, it'll be viral for 24 hours. (laughs) Nice. So you're, you're posting on TikTok and obviously, like you said, it's making a huge difference with traffic, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. That's something we've seen too, with a lot of brands that or not a lot of brands, but the few brands that um, have ad- adopted TikTok as a big part of their strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, are you also advertising on TikTok? We, have you ventured into that we space? We were a little bit. We do. We have a little bit of seasonality with our business, obviously being a planner business. So um, usually we dial it back quite a bit when it comes to advertising in Q2, Q3, uh, and then Q4 and Q1 are like heavy on advertising. So we've done like a little bit but it's more so to be like to have like brand awareness on tiktok not necessarily to kind of drive sales because we know that right now Mm -hmm. people are people have their planner they're settled you know they don't necessarily need to be kind of buying a new one but it's important for us to like get ourselves out there and you know get people to kind of like know what we're up to so that by the time the fall comes around they'll be like oh yeah right there was this other planner company that i could look into so We've done a little bit, but not, not too much. 
Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast Audio Branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's been a mixed bag for us to advertising on the platform. Um, obviously, awareness is the easy one. One thing, even though conversions can be all over the place for different brands, we have seen it really efficient for um, email signups. Interesting. So that, that was kind of why I was asking is like, we've even been able to see cost per leads up on the email side of like $2.50, wow. which to us has like really been aggressive compared to other platforms that we've run sure. those sorts of campaigns on. And email is a big thing for you. Exactly. So maybe worth trying for Q4. Definitely worth trying 100%. Yeah. Awesome. I was curious about content and like the content that you're planning. Like you mentioned that, you know, you create these flows that have like YouTube videos that go out on how to use the planners and things like that. And like productivity is such a hot topic. And I'm just curious, like, how have you approached the kind of content that you're going to create that goes beyond just like selling products? Like, how are you positioning still classics in like that productivity conversation? And then like, what have you learned in that process when it comes to creating content? Like, is there a certain type of content that people have been more like responsive to when it comes to those kind of subjects? Yeah, basically the the way that I kind of approached most things is like, you know, what are things like what are things that I'm struggling with and then being like, oh well maybe other people are struggling with that as well. And like how can I put that into words so that it makes sense? So it's not necessarily like I'm I'm like looking up like how to be productive, but it's like me personally, like what am I doing to be productive? Like what's helping me throughout my day and like how can I kind of, you know, help people maybe with those things as well. Um and that's just kind of, you know, me taking what I've learned throughout the years in terms of like what's worked well and, you know, how to kind of like translate that into like the message that, you know, still is not necessarily just a planner company, but, you know, we want to, we want to know if it's working or if it's not working and, you know, get feedback from our customers as well. And they're very vocal about what they like and what they don't like and, because I feel like this is just a very, it's a very personal product that people use every single day that they rely on. So, you know, you're going to get people who are upset by certain things and who don't like certain things and who want, they, they want to be able to use it, but maybe they don't know how to follow through with it. So, you know, having something like a club still where you have access to different types of resources and different types of content is like such a fun idea. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, I want to talk about your personal health journey. I know you were diagnosed with MS in 2017, and that's obviously like comes with its own challenges. Can you talk to us about how, you know, you've reacted to that diagnosis and how it's kind of changed the way you've approached your business? Yeah, for sure. So um, definitely something I never thought would ever happen to me. I don't think anybody really expects to, you know, get really sick in their 20s because you feel completely resilient at that age. And I remember having like, you know, 
my basically what happened is the left side of my body went completely numb i had absolutely no feeling at all um i could barely walk and you know i i felt it in my neck and on my head and on my face and everything so everything went completely um numb so i knew something was definitely not right and you know the first thing you think about is like what did i do at the gym or like what you know did i like pinch a nerve in my neck or something like what is going on and you never think like it could be something more aggressive than that and it was really difficult for me because i felt like i had been doing all of these good things and like i'm running this business like i didn't deserve to to get sick and like how was i going to continue now that i have this this ability that's going to keep me from having all this energy and this time to, you know, run this business. So it was really difficult at first to, to just kind of like sit in that and realize that like my life was going to change, but some like somewhere along the way, I just realized that, you know, my business was providing me with a lot of joy and was making me really happy. And it was the last thing that I should stop doing. So I needed to just find a way to, change my relationship to the stress that I was feeling. So really thinking about like, you know, why am I stressed out? And like, most of the time when you're feeling stressed, you know, there's usually something that's at stake for you or something that you really care about. So, you know, that in and of itself can be a very positive thing. And you're just, you care about something so much that you're, you know, stressed about it. So I've just decided to kind of turn that into a positive thing. Um, because, you know, my, my business, like, you know, it gives me meaning, it gives me purpose, and it makes me feel like I have something to live for and something that's distracting me from being sick. So it's kind of like become my own personal drug. <laughs> Do you have any advice for anyone else who's kind of battling like chronic illness or chronic pain while they're building a business? Like I, I can't imagine dealing with that because entrepreneurship is like stressful and takes a toll on your emotional, yeah. mental and physical health in its own right. So, you know, d dealing with a diagnosis like that on top of that can be so challenging, but um, you seem to have figured out like how best to channel some of that energy into something that's positive. So do you have any advice for anyone else who might be going through something similar? Yeah, it's interesting, like hearing you say those things, because I feel like I'm far from perfect at dealing with, you know, everything that's kind of going on. And I still struggle quite a lot. But I think first and foremost, like what I realized is was it's, it was time for me to actually like practice what I've been preaching um, with my organization company of like telling people like being organized is good for you. And like, it allows you to have like space for yourself and, you know, space for, you know, taking care of you and like eating well and maybe like meal planning, like we kind of mentioned, or, you know, planning for exercise and like all of those things. So um, I realized basically, like, if I was going to continue with this business, I needed to be the best version of myself that I could ever be. And there was no excuse anymore. Because if I don't, um, my condition is going to get way worse, and I'm not going to be able to do like this anymore at all. So I, I exercise every single day. I became a vegetarian. Um, you know, I go to therapy, I meditate, I 
I really try to do everything that I possibly can and like taking the right supplements, like something as simple as that. Um, and really focusing on putting those things as a priority and making sure that I am sticking to them and not using excuses, you know, not to exercise. And I can't relate to someone who, you know, is maybe dealing with chronic pain. It's every, you know, everyone is so different, but I think that your mind is very, is a very powerful thing. And if you have, you know, something in your life that you are really, that makes you really happy and that you're really excited about, I think it's, it's very for me it's been extremely transformative to focus on that versus the sickness because i think you know being sick can be used for as an excuse for literally everything you know like oh i can't go to dinner i'm sick or like i don't feel great or like i'm tired i'm tired a lot like i'm very tired all the time but i force myself to get out of bed i force myself to have a routine to eat well to make dinner every night and to also relax and also like have you know time that I spend with my fiance or that I, you know, to go out with friends. And like, I don't make myself feel guilty for those things anymore because they're good for me and they're good for my soul and they're good for my health. And so, and you know, like not getting something done doesn't matter. It'll be there tomorrow. You know, there's always time to do Mm -hmm. those things. And so my health has really become an absolute priority in my life. Amazing, man. I I feel convicted. There's so many, even just like not, exercising every day that's something i've done sometimes and then other times i definitely make excuses but um wow i the next question that we typically ask every guest is what's one piece of advice that has always stuck with you that you could pass on to our listeners so if you have one that's great but also yeah. you just gave us a clinic <laughs> of advice um, um how to improve ourselves i always say that there's no such thing as luck there's only hard work because it's something that I feel like has really resonated with me because I've been very unlucky in a lot of ways. And I've really tried to just continue to work hard and get to the places that I want to go. And, and yeah, it's, it's such a, you know, I, it's funny because this whole thing of like me being sick, most people don't know that because they don't see it on me and they don't recognize it on me because Mm -hmm. it's not what I want to greet people with. And like, I very well could, you know, I could be a complete victim to like what is happening to me. But I will say that it makes you exercise a lot more when you realize that you could lose something, you know, and it, it becomes very real. And it shouldn't, you know, take somebody getting sick to realize that your health is very important to you. Because all of a sudden, once it's gone, it's gone. And I can't get that back. Like my spinal cord speaks for itself. It is not what it used to be. And that could be due to many different things, but, um, it's something I definitely don't want to regress any further. Yeah. Makes sense. So exercise. Um, okay, <laughs> exercise. All right. Um, we're coming up to our last question here that we'd like to ask all of our guests. And that's who's making waves and why. And this could be another brand. It could be a person, an entrepreneur that you admire or that you watch and follow. Um, anyone that you think is making waves uh, and who's on your radar. So this might be kind of cheesy to say, but um, my fiance is an incredible human being. He's kind of at the point now where, so he's he started a company when he was in his 20s. He exited that company about two years ago. And um, he's been kind of like doing a lot more kind of consulting now. He's very passionate about the planet and sustainability. He is um, one of the co-founders of Tentree. I don't know if you guys have heard 
of that. Yeah, um, for sure. So he was their creative director. He's extremely creatively just genius. Um, and he's kind of in the process of figuring out like what's next for him. And as part of that journey, he's been investing and, you know, part of a, a lot of different kind of like earth first companies, um, and helping them out and consulting. And he, I'm just kind of like putting it out there that he's going to find the greatest next thing. But right now he's the one that I'm watching. <laughs> Aw, that's so sweet. It sounds awesome. Yeah. Cool. And he's also obviously been helping with still as well. Um, and he's got his own kind of like side business, like e-commerce business as well. So he's kind of doing a whole bunch of different things. Man, sounds like a cool guy. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, thank you so much, Marissa, for everything that you've shared with us. Uh, this has been fantastic. I feel like I mentioned, I feel convicted. I got to go home and exercise and, but so well, much don't more make me that, feel, like, Don't really. make me make you feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> no, just more convicted thing. in a, like a driven sense, not yeah. in a shameful okay. sense. So I'm ready to go take over my, my personal life and just go to the next level. So I feel like our listeners got to feel the same way. Well, you only get one body and you, you know, once you break it, you can't get it back. It'll never be as good as it is yeah. right now. Yeah. So true. we take it for granted sometimes, but Definitely. thank you so much. We'll be in touch and I'm sure our listeners will probably have follow-up questions. So um, where can they find you after this? So you can find obviously our company at still classics with one L and then personally you can find me at Marissa Christina C R I not C H. Um, and you can find us on TikTok as well. I'm on TikTok with the same kind of usernames. Awesome. Fun. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Thank you guys as well.